Hi, and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Tara Humphrey. I run an award-winning healthcare consultancy specialising in supporting primary care networks. I'm a facilitator. I am a mum of three. I have an MBA and I would class myself as a bit of an adventurer. And I absolutely love all things business, all things leadership, all things management. So I created this podcast for clinical and non-clinical colleagues working in the field of health and care and for those of you looking to develop your leadership skills. Every week we release an episode which focuses on the hard and soft skills required to lead in this increasingly complex environment as we move to delivering more integrated care. So let's jump into this week's episode. Welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. At the podcast, we aim to bring you a variety of guests and topics that make up the business of healthcare. And in this episode, we are featuring Daniel Vincent, who is the founder and chief executive officer of Enhanced Primary Care. And he's also the co-founder of Locum Practice Manager. In this episode, he also reveals he's just set up a third business. And this episode is definitely going to appeal to general practice practice managers and any of you that feel like you may want to change in your career. You may love what you do, but you've also got a bit of a desire to do something else, or you may really be struggling in your role and want to make a radical change. This episode is for you. After speaking with Daniel on this episode, I was like, you could be a motivational speaker. He's not just motivating from a place of positivity. He's motivating from a place of somebody that's actually done it. So I absolutely loved it. I know you will too. The only thing we ever ask is that you just share it and I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Business of Healthcare podcast. How are you doing? I'm really well, thank you. It's lovely to be here. Oh, well, I was just saying you're a long time listener. There is a format, but I did think actually I might mix it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> so before we start, actually, could you share with our audience a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Daniel Vincent. I'm now Chief Executive of Enhanced Primary Care, co-founder of Locum Practice Manager. But I was a practice manager for 12 years, 10 very happy years, and then two very challenging years. Okay. Lots to dig into there. But before we start, could you describe yourself in five words? Five words. Okay. Enthusiastic definitely comes first. Connector. I think that's become my role and I love it. Happy. Consider myself a happy person. Have a positive aspect on life and try and make the most of every opportunity. Was that five? That might have been four with some extra words in there. (laughs) I might just chuck in family man then. So, you know, everything I do, I do for my family. Interesting, actually. I was having a conversation with somebody and somebody said to me, Tara, why do you work so hard? Is it because of your girls? Do you do it for your family? And I was like, no, (laughs) I work hard because I generally enjoy it. If I didn't enjoy my work, I probably would source motivation from my family. But I come to work every day because I just genuinely enjoy it. 
Yeah, I mean, I've just had five weeks off and you can imagine how that might feel if you didn't enjoy what you do. But I came back to work knowing I was going to love what I do. So it's a fantastic situation that my motivators sit around providing for my family and having wonderful experiences with my family. But also I get to do something I love to achieve that. So you mentioned 12 years as a practice manager, 10 happy years, two challenging years. Can you share what those challenging years looked like and what led you to making a change? Yeah, absolutely. So let's say 10 wonderful years as a practice manager in a role that I could actually have impact and affect change right on the front line when something was broken, could work with the team to fix it without all the strings and the red tape, just get on with it. Then unfortunately, we had a falling out in the partnership. So that disrupted our ways of working. And then we had the CQC involved for over a year. And so all of that red tape became a daily occurrence for me as the leader. Then the pandemic hit. So I went into the pandemic pretty frazzled from all of that already. And don't get me wrong, it was a really worrying time. But actually, for us, it gave us an opportunity to just wipe the slate clean and create an entirely new care model. Now I'm a QI practitioner, so normally I wouldn't advocate for big bang change. But when you've got a burning platform like a pandemic, a lot can change in a very short period of time. And so in Yeovil, actually, what we did was all came together. Most of my team moved out of our practice and into the CCG office. And we just had that opportunity to go, okay, how do we want this to be? But personally, that decision fatigue just hit me. Probably about six months in, I decided actually I wasn't going to be able to continue in my role anymore. It wasn't sustainable for me as an individual. And so I decided that I wanted to do something else. But actually, I was a partner. So just resigning wasn't an opportunity because that would have destabilized the practice. And so I had a look around, saw what my options might be and found a safe harbour for my team and my practice in an at-scale provider, integrated the practice into that at-scale provider and at that point exited with a plan, (laughs) but without a job. Exited with a plan, but without a job. Explain that a little bit more. Yeah, so I mean, it's interesting because I always say I became a practice manager by accident. And it's very true. I joined a Darcy Centre just as it was opening. I joined in the role of data quality manager with a view to setting up my own IT business. Two weeks in, the practice manager left and they said, would you like to give this a go? So I said, yes, (laughs) yes, I would. And that's where the 10 years began. So I've always been entrepreneurial from a very young age. I've had little businesses and made a little bit of money on the side, almost continuously, actually, but decided this was my opportunity to do my own thing. And so that's where Enhanced Primary Care was born. And what does Enhanced Primary Care do? So it does one thing only. People ask me all the time, what else do you do? No, nothing. Shiny object person. So actually, I have my list of things that we will do. But right now, we offer a really niche specialist service for GP practices, where we go back over their medicines claims for the last six years. We find all the things that practices have used. So their doctor and nurse has used it, but they've forgotten to issue a prescription. So on average, we'll find about £16,000 for a practice. 
I think we're well over £1.5 million that we've found for primary care over the last two years. And how do practices find out about you? So they would go to enhancedprimarycare.co.uk. They can find us literally all over social media. (laughs) But (laughs) if people wanted to connect with me individually, then LinkedIn is the place to go and find me. What does the process look like and how long does it take to find the missing money? It takes us a very long time. And that's the gift I realised that we were giving primary care. I thought we offered a PPA service. In fact, actually, what we give people is time. But from a practice perspective, it's about 15 minutes to set us up and then we do our work and then the practice sends off the prescriptions and they get paid. Our tagline is £16,000 for just 15 minutes work. Do you ever receive any objections? Do any practices ever go, oh, no, I don't know, that doesn't sound like I would want to get involved in that? (laughs) I think there's two barriers we encounter. One is the, this is too good to be true. So I, you know, I usually am able to share when I was a practice manager. So I know if this takes you any more than 15 minutes, it's not coming across your desk. It's a commission only service. So no win, no fee. I know if you have to invest money in the first place, that's a big decision to make. So we've kind of worked through those things. Obviously, data security is important for people. So we give the reassurance there. And then I think there's a small number of people who are really worried as the practice manager. You hold a heck of a lot of responsibility and you cannot keep all of those plates spinning. Yet, as individuals, we'd love to be able to keep all of those spinning. So we definitely encounter a few people who are a little bit worried that we're going to find something. And that's actually usually when the GP partners have contacted us and put us in touch with the practice manager. We're going to find all this unclaimed income. Does that mean they're not doing their job properly? And of course, it doesn't. It just means they were focusing on all the other stuff. Do you feel like the practice manager job is an impossible, not an impossible job, (laughs) but well, do you think the practice manager job is an impossible job? Yeah, so I did. And that's why I left, because personally, I didn't feel it was achievable. And at that point, I also felt that no single human being could achieve that. Working with Tracy Dell, actually, she's changed my thinking on that, which is lovely experience. And you talk to somebody and you go, oh, hang on a minute. I was wrong. And actually, it can be sustainable, but not in its current form. And that sustainability comes from being able to create a team around you, having those people who can support you to do what used to be one person's job. But now I would say you probably need three or four people to deliver that. And of course, the primary challenge around that is finance in primary care. There is no fat. So how do you make that happen? And we think we're building a solution where you can drop your hours because there's plenty of interesting and wonderful work out there that will relight your fire. And then that frees up some financial capacity within the practice to upskill individuals who are already in your team who will be able to do some of those jobs that you're currently doing with the right training, mentoring and support. So could you explain to those that may not know what a general practice manager does, in a nutshell, what do they do? Everything, <laughs> like <laughs> literally everything is from that high level strategic business planning that a chief executive or a managing director in a small business would do right through to unblocking the toilet when it gets blocked. It really is anything and everything. And that's why you need that team around you 
because you can't possibly be good at all of those things. You can't be good at day-to-day operations, strategic thinking, finance, HR, governance. I think it's impossible for one person to be good at all of those things. And you certainly don't have enough time to do all of them really well and to the standard that our regulators expect. Do you think the title is important? Do you think the title practice manager reflects what that role does or does it not matter? Title was never important to me as an individual. I think it is important to external parties and I don't know that it's the right title. But again, I don't know what the right title is because I think it's so many jobs, so many roles. And that's why it's good when you start seeing a practice with various different finance manager, business manager, operations manager. They are more reflective of what that person's focus is. Hi everyone, this podcast is brought to you in partnership with Best Practice, where we will be interviewing some of the speakers and sponsors attending the event in Birmingham on the 11th and 12th of October. If you are already registered to attend, do let us know as we would love to meet you. And if you are still to register your place, please click on the link in the show notes. Now, let's jump back into this week's episode. So that leads us really nicely into locum practice managers. So what is obviously you kind of seen the issue, you've experienced the issues. You've said that you're creating some solutions. Tell us about locum practice manager. Very much a passion project, continue to see people in very challenging situations, continue to talk to people who then you speak to, try and speak to two weeks later and they've gone and you're like, we were talking two weeks ago and it was really, really hard, but now I've tried to contact you again and you've left and it doesn't need to be like that. You can have a plan for change in your role rather than getting to that point and often it's such a tiny thing the straw that's broken the camel's back because actually it's an accumulation of events but just one thing calls that person to go can't do this anymore and of course that is disruptive for the practice but for that individual it's incredibly damaging so tracy and i are meeting in london couple of weeks time to really decide what we're doing because everybody thinks that we're a locum agency and we're definitively not a locum agency (laughs) and it doesn't matter how many times I say that people still think we're a locum agency. Well I suppose maybe people look at the title of the business. Yeah and again that was more about that external perception what do we call this we have to call it what people currently call locum GPs locum pms our hope is that we can move to a more primary care consultant model but essentially what we're going to do is help individuals to go on that journey that journey that we went on i went on in a quite traumatic fashion in a planful way we know that anybody who's been a practice manager for more than a year can do anything they want to do it's more about that confidence to be able to make that decision And also having like a toolbox of tools that you can pull out when you go into a brand new practice and find interesting challenges that you didn't even know existed. So you recently held a retreat, which just looked amazing. I think as somebody that runs a business, I've traveled all over the world. It's a business expense, but it's an investment in the business to go away from my home, go away from my business, connect with other people, a little bit of pampering, but also some strategic thinking. And that sort of thing, I don't see in primary care. So Mm. to see your retreat and to see so many people there was amazing. What did you guys do? 
So what we wanted to do was afford people some thinking space because we knew as a practice manager, you don't get any thinking space at work. When you're at home, you're in home mode. So actually, we knew that we needed to take people out of their normal. And I'm involved in a lot of kind of American coaching. And this kind of thing is perfectly normal over there. In Britain, not so much. In primary care, non-existent. So I think it was quite a big ask, really, (laughs) for us to go, look, we want you to invest quite a chunk of your own money coming out of your bank account where you pay your mortgage from. These are not people who've got their own business account. You know how different it is when the money comes out of your own personal account versus the business account. And make an investment, financial and time-wise, in giving yourself some space to think. And so we had a lovely time. We had a room of 30 people who have been doing the same role. We all know, again, how very different every single practice was. That really came out in what we were talking about. But just giving them some space to think about themselves on the first day, so all about them. And then on the second day, all about how you can get into becoming a primary care consultant, a local practice manager, or indeed for some people setting up their own business outside of primary care. Some of the people we were talking to, they know they don't want to be in primary care anymore. One of them wanted to be a baker. Doesn't matter. Give yourself some space, create your vision, decide what your personal purpose is and take one step. It's all it takes, one step towards that. For those people that want to stay in primary care and they want to go down the consultant or locum route, what are a couple of challenges you would just want to flag to somebody wanting to sell into primary care? Primarily, we're finding it's confidence. So believing in yourself that you can do what you do somewhere else. Then I would say it's more around technicalities. So making sure you set yourself up correctly. It's not hard when you know how, (laughs) as with all of these things. So technically setting up correctly, but there is so much work out there. It's unbelievable. And nobody believes that until they start looking for it. So get out there, even if you're not ready, get out there and look at what is available. And for us, it was about finding that thing that people are passionate about. So if you have a choice to do your own thing, choose the things you're passionate about because you will do them so much better and your practices will get such a better experience. Choose the things you love. There's people who are going for HR, and I'm like, why would you choose HR? They love HR. Governance, why would you choose governance? Why do you want to look at policies and decide what the best way of doing things is and write it all down? Oh, my goodness. And all of these things that don't fight my boat, QI is my boat in practice. But actually, for them, that's what they're passionate about. That's the service they're going to deliver to primary care, and that's where they're going to have the biggest impact. When you talk about confidence, it's easy to go to a retreat and be really hyped up. Everyone's around, like mine did. It's like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I've written my vision. I know my purpose. I've got my plan. And then you go home and you think, oh, okay, I know what I need to do logically, but that motivation, that hype disappears. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. We've all done that, haven't we? I still, as ambitious as I am, I find myself continually on the ledge, like, should I? (laughs) Am I too much? Can I do it? Do I keep going on about it? They already know. Are my prices too high? Are my prices too low? Like all of these questions. How do you navigate that? Because 
when you've made the leap, don't get me wrong, it's a lot easier, but speak to the practice manager that's like so close and then they go, oh, I'll I'll wait six months or I'll wait a year. Yeah, and and that is the biggest problem. And actually, I sent an email yesterday and I went, P.S., if we don't take action now, you're never going to. Just let me know. Because actually, if you can create those excuses now, you'll be able to create them in six months' time. So for people who joined our retreat, it's all about community. So we have a supportive community that is continuing and people are reporting back to us their wins. They made some plans. We've got some follow-up with them. And for me personally, I work with coaches. So when I was setting up my business, that was a business coach. Um, I changed because I'd set up my business and moved to a more mindset-based coach. And actually, just before I've gone on my summer break this year, that was in my vision plan was to never work August again. So I've had August off. We've just ended the relationship with my current coach because actually I'm moving into my American colleagues would call it a new season the next chapter of my life where I go from business owner to entrepreneur because I have multiple businesses that I'm supporting to succeed. And so you need the right person, the right buddy at the right time to push you because we all need accountability. So your advice would be to seek coaching? Yeah, coaching or community, different for different people. Personally, I need to know that on Thursday, I'm going to be speaking to my coach. My coach is going to ask me, did you do those three things that you said you do? Because if I know they're going to ask me that, I will have done them. Might be Thursday morning, but I will have done them by the time I'm on that call. Some people don't need that. Some people have much more self-discipline than that. Not me. And community can work. And it's about finding that thing that really works for you to push you where you want to be. And I've been in positions where I've been pushed into situations that I don't want to be in. And that's not coaching. I can relate to that. And sometimes I feel like in some of my coaching relationships, I feel like I'm being like dragged along. I'm quite obedient. Somebody gives me something, I'll do it. Then I get to a point, I think, but do I want this? Like a good coach will enable you to go at your own pace. And sometimes that can be slow. But as long as you're moving forwards, but you don't want to feel like you're on a rocket ship and you're not ready for it. It's you yeah, need to be pushed yeah. out of your comfort zone, but not so much you feel sick. That's it. And just that next step, pushing yeah. you to the next step. And really, your coach shouldn't mind what your next step is as long as you are moving forward. Um, mentoring is a very different kettle of fish. You know, that's somebody who has that expertise that you're leaning on them to basically steal all the stuff that works, all their good ideas. And then I would expect to be told what to do next. But in that coaching relationship, I'd be looking for that. Push me forward where I want to go. Just make it a little bit uncomfortable for me. The Business of Healthcare podcast is brought to you proudly in partnership with 10,000 donors and their Gob for Good campaign. Gob for Good is all about getting as many people as possible to join the stem cell registry. Only 3% of the UK are registered to be stem cell donors and only 0.4% of the global population. If you or a loved one have the devastating news that you have been diagnosed with a blood cancer, the chances of you finding your blood stem cell match is significantly reduced if you have a minority ethnic heritage. It is really, really simple. All you need to do is click into the show notes or visit the Gob for Good website at gobforgood.com and get yourself signed up to the registry. You could one day receive that life-saving call or one day you may need that life-saving call. Now, 
let's jump back into this week's episode. Can you share an example of or share an experience where it's been really challenging in running your business? It's really interesting because I love it so much when people say, tell me about the difficult bits. They sort of fall into the I love it bit as well. So I think the biggest challenge I've faced is that having too many clients is a problem because we are purpose driven. So we want to find as much money as we can for primary care because we know they desperately need it. So sitting with practices who want our service, but not being able to deliver it because we haven't got the capacity. This started at week two and has been my challenge for the last two years. So all of my effort goes into what can we do next to find more, find it faster and do that in a really intelligent way, because we could just throw a whole load of people at it but actually that's not going to give us a commercially viable business. So we're not going to be around to do that for a long time. So that's been my challenge. That's been the thing that's been really difficult and is is a lovely position to be in, but it is a challenge all the same. I get it. How do you split your week now you've got two businesses? (laughs) Yeah, this is interesting. And I've always, I have that shiny object list. So I've always had a few things. Um, actually, I have three businesses as of okay. yesterday. So it's definitely something that I'm on that learning curve to manage. I use a tool called Motion. And so I put all of my tasks oh, across okay. various projects into Motion. And then what it does is it looks at my diary and goes, oh, you've got 15 minutes there. I'll put that task in there because that's the thing I really struggle with is to know what to do next. So I'll prioritize all those tasks. It takes that decision making away from me. So I do the thing it tells me if I want to do something else, that's fine. I just don't do that task and it will reschedule it to another time. And it fits that around all of the wonderful calls I have with people from all over the place. So my week is always full but it's prioritised by someone else because I'm not good at that. And then Fridays are your, apart from me today, you don't have any meetings on a Friday? No meetings on a Friday, only exceptional circumstances. And of course, this was one of them. (laughs) No, but I mean, that's, that's why I keep Fridays free, because actually it's my thinking day. It's my time with Lydia, my wife. Kids are at school. So I can use that time to really think about where the business is going rather than being in it. And so we're both going to be at best practice. I feel like you're a regular at best practice. Best practice has always been my go-to. So I went from attendee for decade, actually, it must have been a decade, to being an exhibitor and now a speaker. It is lovely. It's really lovely to be able to share that story and share that knowledge with people and then have the conversations after you've spoken they're my favorite part is that oh thank you and then chatting after the speaker slots how do you go from delegate to speaker (laughs) i'm glad there was a bit in between i mean i still do get the nerves and obviously during the pandemic we didn't have any speaking in person. So my speaking all started on webinars. And you've got people there, you've got eyes looking at you. But boy, when you're stood in a room with 200 people looking at you, that's a whole different experience. 
But actually, once you're up on that stage, five minutes before, I talk to the tech guys. We have a conversation about microphones and lighting so I can distract myself from worrying. As soon as I step on that stage, as soon as you're talking to people, it's fine. I find three people in the audience, someone at the front, someone in the middle, someone at the back left, and make eye contact with them on rotation. And you find the people who smile at you and nod and agree. And I talk to them. I try and phase out the rest of the room. It's really interesting about primary care in that I was saying this somebody the other day, I feel like I've made my job up. And I didn't start in primary care. I started in education, working at university. And you can create a job. You can be yeah. a practice manager. You can be a speaker. You can set up a business. You can set up multiple businesses. You can host retreats. I've traveled for my work, not on business retreats, but like actual proper, proper work. I've traveled all over the world in this job. And I think that there is a misconception that... People would be surprised that you could do this in primary care because it's not linear. You do have to look at the opportunity and then just think, I'll just try it. The worst that could happen is that either you don't like it, B, you mess up and then you do something else. It's not life or death. Yeah, absolutely. And having that confidence to just do the next step. So like you say, you identify that opportunity. So as a practice manager, as you know, anyone in primary care, you see and you hear so much about the challenge. So that's your opportunity. Again, that challenge is the opportunity. And just decide that next thing you're going to do and test it. It's all about trust. That's the thing in primary care. It's all about trust. So provided the person you're talking to trusts you, they'll put their faith in you. And you do one and you can build out from there. You just got to take that next step. It's really hard when you're in a job and that feels really safe and secure and you've got to pay the mortgage, got all your expenses coming in and the idea of becoming self-employed is super scary until you do it. But of course, there's a journey in between the until you do it and the doing it. So I would just encourage people to just test, just try, take a small step you won't regret it and if you do you just go back to your job I was just going to say there is I feel like practice managers PCN managers GPs you hot commodities you know like you will never be out of work I just wanted to highlight you said the challenge is the opportunity and I think it is a mindset because also people feel the challenge is the reality and it's not the opportunity it's like no it's it's too hard and I think it is a mindset switch to say could it be better? Could I do something different? Or do I have to do this job in the yeah. way that I do it today? And I think don't take anything on face value. Things can be different. It is a mindset shift. And that was why the first day of the retreat was all about the individual, because actually there is a journey to go on from employee to self-employed. And it is mindset. I say the technicalities are easy once you've got a checklist. But actually, you have to believe that you do think differently. And you think differently about everything once you own your own business in a totally joyful way. And if you don't like it, you just go back to your job. And, you know, what we're encouraging people to do is not just to leave. If you're sure that's what you want to do, then have a plan. But actually to test it, to make sure that you know what it is you want to be doing. And then build your team within the practice in order to release your time, because then 
you still also have your team when you go out on your own as a independent person without a team it's really lonely it's more lonely than being a practice manager which i find hard to say because that's a really lonely role but actually when you go out on your own and you don't have a team yet that is really lonely so that idea that actually you can keep your practice team that's the thing i miss from primary care is my team but actually you can keep that two, three days a week and have two or three days a week doing whatever it is you want to do, that thing you're passionate about and having impact. And that's probably the thing that changed most for me was actually I felt I wasn't having impact as a practice manager. And so now I can have phenomenal impact. So this week I've spoken to probably eight, nine, ten people on Teams meetings between us, we've identified 14 opportunities to support primary care in a different way to the way it's being supported at the moment. You mentioned so you speak. If I was to hire you, what do you speak on? Anything that is within my experience. And, and I think that's probably why I feel more comfortable with speaking, because actually I don't speak about things I don't know about. I am speaking about my story. I don't need to prep for that because it's my story. (laughs) If you want me to talk about quality improvement, I love it. It's my passion. I can tell you what I know about it. Anything that's within that primary care scope that I enjoy talking about, I'm really happy to speak about. If someone was only going to take one thing from this conversation, what would it be? So I think if you're unhappy doing what you're doing now, take the next step to do something different. And if people want to find out more about you, where can they go? So if they want to connect with me personally, head to LinkedIn, find me there. That's the best way to get in touch with me as an individual. Thank you so much, Daniel. I really appreciate your time. Really lovely to spend time with you today, Tara. so much for joining us if you like what you hear i would absolutely love it if you left us an itunes rating and five star review i know many of you give us a shout out on social media which is lovely to see you guys listening to the podcast so please come and find us on twitter at thc primary care on instagram and on linkedin just look for tara humphrey and if you're not subscribed to our newsletter please do you get to hear more insights more confessions some tips and tools and a roundup of our activity over the week so click on join the newsletter in the show notes and i will see you in the next episode.